This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 197, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, August 27th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 197. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, August the 27th. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, this week's episode, uh, we're getting we're going up on Wednesday, the 3rd of September, so new comics will already be in your hands for some of you. Uh, but we're going to take a jump backwards a week and take a look at comics that came out the last week of August. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the end of their August. Myself, I was busy time. Uh, as I think I mentioned previously on the show, I had my son's first birthday, uh, so that was last Friday on the 29th, and then in Canada, and I think in the U.S. as well, there's a long weekend, so I uh, we went away for the long weekend. Uh, we recorded episode 196, On the Road, which is Comic Shenanigans on the Road, which was a fun episode that I recorded with my wife. Um, and so you should give a sh- uh, you know, if you haven't checked out that episode, you should go back and listen to it. Uh, we're starting a campaign, as mentioned in that episode, to try and get my wife, Kelly Chapman, to watch Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Uh, she just didn't really have any interest in watching it, and I'm telling her it's so good, it's so good, she has to watch it, it's an amazing movie. Um, she may or may not end up agreeing, uh, so she made an agreement that if we got five emails or posts on HC Realms from five different people, uh, that she would consent and, and she would watch the film. So, so far I believe we're up to two uh, emails that we've received, so uh, thank you to those uh, two. Um, I believe one of them is uh, Matt Miller, I believe, is one of the, uh, the fans who uh, made sure to uh, tell us that Kelly has to watch the movie, as well as a longtime friend of the show, A.J. Reese, who's also made his voice heard, and also gave her uh, some complimentary uh, fan letter, uh, which she very much appreciated. So thank you, A.J., for that. Uh, is it going to turn the tide and get her to uh, watch the movie without it being five? We'll see. Uh, that would be awesome if it, if it could somehow stem that tide. Otherwise, we're still looking for three more emails. Uh, so to comic shenanigans at gmail.com. Anyways, on to the comics at hand. Um, as I was sitting down to record this episode, I realized I actually hadn't read that many comics from this past week. I thought I'd read a lot more than this. Um, but we're just going to jump on through, and it's going to be a little bit of a quick episode. I know I say that almost every week, but this time I mean it. Uh, so first up, we have all-new X-Men 31. Now, to be honest, I actually didn't even remember reading this. Uh, once I flipped through it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember. Um, I think where it kind of loses, it might lose some people. So first of all, it's written by Bendis, and it's got artwork by Mahmoud Azrar, who I actually really enjoyed his artwork here. It was very Eminem-esque at times. Um, I guess my problem with it was we start off with the Ultimate Universe, and at first you don't it doesn't even tell you it's in the Ultimate Universe. So if you don't read the Ultimate Universe, this is going to be a little confusing. There's no editor box. There's nothing to explain where we are or what's going on. Just that this is, you know, this is a version of Tony Stark, but that's about all we know, uh, which is kind of stupid. And we have, like, a, a version of Amadeus Cho as well. Well, I don't remember ever seeing the Ultimate Universe, but I bailed on it when Ultimatum happened. So I just thought that to spend three issues, sorry, three pages and not do a lot of explanation is a little frustrating. And then we have a page which kind of just recaps what we saw in Uncanny X-Men. Or I guess it's just one page where uh, Cyclops takes off. Um, and then we have... A, a, Interesting kind of dynamic between Jean Grey and X-23. Uh, you have uh, Hank and Warren kind of having a bit of a head-to-head. Not head-to-head, but like a little bit of a moment together. Um, they detect a, like an energy signature, um, and so they decide that they're going to go find this, this new mutant uh, who they're detecting, and this person seems to have this energy si- signature in front of them that inside of them that seems to be a portal to other worlds and other realities. In fact, we see a House of M at one point, uh, which is another thing by Bendis. 
Uh, it would appear that she has kind of a, a pathway to Asgard, perhaps. Um, the X-Men try to go to help her, uh, and just the whole thing, kind of situation goes pear-shaped. Uh, we have Iceman kind of, not coming to, but opening his eyes, and he's in, like, the Mole Man. I'm guessing this is Ultimate Mole Man. Uh, we have Jean Grey finding herself about to be hit by a, a car, or, and then she stops it, and then she meets up with Ultimate Spider-Man, and uh, should be interesting, I guess. Now... I don't know how I feel about... I mean, I, I guess technically Miles Morales has already been in the mainstream Marvel U, although if you didn't read Cataclysm, you wouldn't really know that, and I haven't really read it uh, at all. I think I read maybe a couple of chapters, and I wasn't really enjoying what the story was doing. Um, here, it, it just kind of feels like a hodgepodge of ideas. Uh, I'm willing to give Venice a shot. I do like seeing the X-Men be proactive like this, um, trying to kind of do what they're meant to do, which is help other young mutants. I just feel that sometimes... Uh, Venice takes too long to get to the point, and he's a little slow, and I know it's for the sake of, you know, building up characterization, but sometimes it's okay to let the plot move, and I think that sometimes Venice just lets his plot move way too quickly, uh, sorry, smoothly, um, slowly is the right word, whereas you have a writer like, uh, Dan Slott, who at times it feels he goes too far with plot, but these days when it feels like you don't get that much plot development in a lot of these issues, I'm willing to accept a little less characterization once in a while to get a little bit more plot. With a Dan Slott issue, I always feel like you got a lot going on, whereas with a, a Bendis issue, it feels like there's a little bit less because a lot of its time is spent with these longer character moments that aren't really progressing the story, but they're adding this, you know, quote-unquote characterization, which is great up until a point, but after a while, you just want the plot to start moving. Uh, do you remember when, like, Stan Lee used to write issues, and there's a ton of stuff going on in there. There's a whole adventure in one issue and a ton of pathos and characterization. He somehow fit it all in. Was it maybe the best written and the times maybe overwritten? Yeah, absolutely. But it was the times. And I just wish that sometimes we get a little bit more plot development. Anyways, speaking of plot development, let's move things along, why don't we? All New X-Men number 31, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, next up is Avengers 34. Now, I've mentioned previously I've been a little bit frustrated with this whole storyline. Uh, that being said, I really dug this issue. It's by Jonathan Hickman and Lionel Francis Yu. Um, the artwork is some of the best I've seen from you in a while. Uh, we have a Kang, a Mortis, and Iron Lad uh, kind of team up to try and convince Captain America well, basically to not go back in time uh, because he's kind of what leads to the downfall of everything. Uh, very interesting. I cannot wait to see kind of where they go with this now that he's kind of declaring war on Stark and his allies. It kind of feels reminiscent of Civil War, but at least this time, I feel like there's an actual reason for these men to not trust each other, or at least for one of them to not trust the other, and really want to take the other one down. Whereas Civil War felt a little more ham-fisted, uh, here it really does feel like it really is a clash of, of ideologies, not just something that came up in a particular story, but something that was very rooted in the, what these two men are about. Uh, one who's about science for the protection of others, uh, even at the sacrifice sacrifice of some of his own kind of ethics although as we've seen in new avengers there is a limit to that uh, tony will go to whereas captain america is all about saving everyone he has a brilliant speech here which jonathan hickman just nails um so i'm gonna give this issue a nine out of ten even though i've been frustrated with this arc in general because i feel like every issue was kind of the same thing oh no where are we we get a little exposition of whoever we are we meet a character from this timeline and then eventually we go on to the next one here it felt a little bit more not final, but it was the last stop on the ride, and a lot more interesting because of having Kang and Mortis and Iron Lad together is kind of is really cool because they're always at each other's throats, and seeing them all allied together is actually kind of a badass moment. It's kind of what 
Yuatu showing up used to mean before Yuatu showed up for everything. Like he showed up in Civil War and really didn't need to be there. Like it wasn't that monumentous. Um, so it used to mean a lot when Yuatu would show up here. Uh, it actually means a lot that you have these you know three characters showing up. That's that's there's a sense of forbidding about it. Uh, you know something bad is going on when you see these characters allied towards each other, especially considering what's been going on in Uncanny Avengers. Uh, next, so I'm gonna give that a nine. Next up is Batman Eternal. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about this. So this is issue 21. We kind of really take turn a few corners here. Um, I was really enjoying everything with Jason Bard until it was revealed he's a villain. And I'm like, fuck, really? I really liked how he was written here. I guess it was too good to be true. Stories by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV. James Tinian IV has done the script for himself this time. Ray Fox, John Lehman, and Tim Seeley were the consulting writers with Jason Fabok and Art, who I love, and I'm so glad that he's back. Uh, absolutely fantastic artwork. The story's riveting. Um, having... Uh, Alfred, you know, trying to be a, being like kind of a badass here is very cool. Just like a judo chop move, move on his daughter. Uh, at the very end, he gets stabbed with a syringe by what appears to be Hush, who has never shown up in the New Fifty Two. So what the hell? What's his re- his uh, past going to look like? Um, we also it looks like the architect. I don't even know who the architect is because I missed that original story. So it's kind of interesting that it looks like we're having the architect come back. Uh, and also looks like Jason Bard is working with Hush, which I'm very disappointed in. Just because I, in a good way, because it's a it's a big revelation, it's a big twist. I didn't see it coming. I really like Jason Bard, and I really thought this version of him was going to be like the next Gordon. It's I'm a little disappointed because I just because I like the character so much, which is just a testament to the strong writing so far. That I was bummed out that this was the switch. It's cool. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going something really cool with it. it just I'm disappointed because I liked it so much, not because it's a bad twist. I'm going to give the issue eight and a half out of ten. I thought it was one of the strongest yet. Uh, actually, I'll give it a nine. I just I thought it was very entertaining. Um, the artwork's brilliant. Uh, I love the sequence with Alfred. Alfred was a badass. Everything in here really just clicked for me. Uh, next up is Guardians of the Galaxy number eighteen. Now this was a long-awaited issue, and man, Bendis disappointed me a lot. Not as much as I was as I thought he would, though. Uh, the artwork is fantastic by McGinnis. I mean, his Thanos and uh, I mean Thanos's face is like super wide, but it's super cool. And his version of um, uh, Richard Ryder as Nova looks great. Uh, so this is technically original sin tie-in, although really it has nothing to do with original sin whatsoever. Uh, especially because the event is basically over as of what, September third. It is. Uh, so Bendis and McGinnis. Uh, Gamora, conf- I don't even know like what happened in the last issue. I can't even remember because suddenly she's captured Peter. Uh, sorry, uh, Peter Quill. She has them all, you know, wrapped up, and she's threatening them, and she wants to finally know exactly what happened in the Cancerverse out of nowhere. Um, I guess maybe Gamora, after what happened in Original Sin, because she's in that book, has come back and, and knows things now. But it just felt very out of nowhere. That being said, I like seeing these characters again. I like seeing Star-Lord in his old costume and with the mask and everything, having the Cosmic Cube. Uh, him and uh, Nova just going at it with um, with uh, Thanos. It's really cool. And then Drax shows up, and I went, what the fuck? I mean, Drax was killed in this event, and it suddenly he's here. And it reminded me, oh, yeah, that's right. He was killed in Thanos Imperative. And how was he even back at all? And they haven't even explained that before. And I hadn't even thought about that. It wasn't... It, it wasn't as like big in my mind, or I, I guess didn't even stand out that it had actually happened. Whereas with the Richard Ryder and Starlord things, those were how the series ended, and that's why we got Annihilators and everything else. Which, which I was thinking about the other day. 
Um, the Annihilators were a cool concept. Like, I just wish that we got the, the we had a, a whole cosmic era from basically the Thanos series by Starlin that then ended up kind of leading into Annihilation and the whole Annihilation era, Annihilation Conquest, Realm of Kings, War of Kings, all that stuff, Thanos Imperative, this whole era of the cosmic universe. And then you have the Annihilators was kind of like the last bit of it. And then it just feels like everything has been forgotten and said we have the, the Bendisverse now, which is the Bendis cosmic universe, which I haven't enjoyed as much. And now we're having the explosion of the Guardians of the Galaxy after their popularity in the movies, but it... I don't know. I, it just it disappoints me that we had such a great cosmic era, and a lot of those elements are now being forgotten. Even though the continuity there was so tight up until Annihilators, and then Bendis decides, I'm bringing back the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm bringing doing it at Avengers Assemble, and I'm not going to explain anything for a couple of years. And now that we're finally seeing it, he's adding in Drax, who for some reason is the big hulking, strong Drax, who's still yeah, smart, but not like that smart. And he's not doesn't have the tattoos. Like I'm just like, what is going on? Um, Drax and uh, Thanos have a fight, uh, and it looks like you know we, we do, it's not all over. We just get a lot of just a, a sequence of fight scenes, which look great, but they don't add a lot to the story. And then uh, get the idea of what's going to happen next with the Cosmic Cube. Interested to see what happens, um, but I was disappointed with the story. The artwork is brilliant. The artwork's like a four and a half out of five. The story I would give like a two and a half. Uh, so that's still like a seven out of, um, what was I saying? Four and a half plus two and a half. Yeah, that's a seven. So it's a seven out of ten, but really that's based on the strength of the artwork and not on the story. Uh, Sinestro, this is, uh, number, uh, let's see, number five. I, I really like this book. It's really good. Colin Bunn is doing a fantastic job writing this version of Sinestro. Uh, we finally get to see backstory as to what's happened leading up to Sinestro number one, which is really cool. Um... This is just so awesome. I I really dug this. Um, try to just find my issue right here. Uh, so the artwork here is by let's see, artwork is by Dale Eaglesham, who I love on this. Colin Bunn obviously wrote it. Uh, great script. Um, you yeah, have a great confrontation, and a lot of it's not even physical. A great like actual um, like man to man words conversation between. Uh, Sinestro and uh, Hal Jordan, which leads into something a lot co- really cool that happens with Parallax here. Um, this is probably one of the strongest issues that we've had so far, just because you get to have uh, Sinestro going up against Hal, uh, just in terms of their ideologies and their ideas, not even them fighting for most of the issue, and it's just so strong and riveting that you almost forget that there's not a lot of action. Uh, there's good a good exposition and backstory as to how we got to where Sinestro 1 started. This was just fantastic. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I really dug this. Uh, and Daily Gusham is like just such a great penciler. Uh, next up is Uncanny Avengers. This is issue number 23. Uh, this was the, kind of the uh, the end of the Actually, sorry, it's not even the end of the current arc. It's the aftermath issue. Uh, it's written by Recommender, artwork by Sanford Green. I didn't really care a lot for the artwork. Um, we are seeing it dovetail more into Remender's current cap run. Captain America is an old man here. Uh, you have the all the members of the Uncanny Avengers who uh, were involved with kind of their minds being messed with through time. They're waking up and having their bodies have been changed or altered. Uh, Sunfire looks really, you know, it looks his best in best costume is what he looks like now. Uh, you have Rogue kind of dealing with all the issues in her head. Um, uh, you have Alex and uh, Wasp going through their own thing. Um, I like the script a lot. I think the script was strong. I just thought the artwork was really, really poor. Um, interested to see where Axis goes going forward. 
I just wish the artwork was better. The artwork was really sloppy here. Um, I'm going to give the issue maybe a... I think it's like a 6 out of 10. I think, honestly, it's like a 4 for story and 2 for art. Like, I just I really didn't enjoy the artwork at all. Uh, then we have Wolverine number 12. Uh, which is the, I guess, the last issue by Paul Cordell. It's so stupid that it's like one month to die, and now it's going to have its own limited series for that, but uh, it's written by Paul Cornell, artwork by Pete Woods. Um, not a huge fan of the art here. Um, actually, I take that back. It's actually not bad for Pete Woods uh, to finally see this confrontation between Wolverine and Sabretooth. Uh, it was interesting to see. I did like how it was written. Um, I just felt the issue was a little bit all over the place. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I think a, some consistency would have helped. At times, the artwork was great, but there are some panels that are super rough. The story just felt a little overlong and uh, in, kind of inconsequential because none of this has mattered. Uh, him, all, The whole Wolverine kind of going bad, but then not really bad, and he's just infiltrating to go up against Sabretooth, but have his last battle not even be up against Sabretooth who cares like what was the point of getting this whole run this these two wolverine runs what did they add except to get him to the point where charles sewell will kill the character not even paul cornell i just i don't get the get the point of it so i'm gonna give it a six and a half and then last up is wolverine the x-men number eight um which i hated um roundly by jason latour with artwork by paco diaz on the first four pages and david messina and gaetano carlucci on pages five to twenty uh and it's basically this this kind of love story between Storm and and uh, Wolverine. They spend all this time in the world, and they kind of she's got, she's like a goddess, she's a leader. They go through all these different permutations, but it really hasn't even been that long in the real world. I hate the idea of Storm and Wolverine together. I just don't like it. Uh, they keep kind of shoving it down our throats, and I, I just don't appreciate it. Um, I think I mentioned this in the last reviews podcast because I'd read this issue and then I was reviewing the Storm issue from last week and I kind of got the two mixed up in my mind. Uh, I just didn't appreciate... I don't like this story. And the artwork was all right. It wasn't that great. There's some shots of Storm that are really over the top, but uh, I'm going to give it about a 5 out of 10. I just... I hate the, the whole concept. So that is everything that came out August 27th that I had a chance to read. The books I didn't get a chance to read, which are a lot, include the following. Um, they include Adventures of Superman 16, All New Invaders number 9, All New Ultimate 7, All Star Western 34, Amazing Spider-Man 1.4, Aquaman 34, Avengers Undercover 9, Batman 66 number 14, Batman Beyond Universe 13, Batman Superman 13, Bodies number 2, Catwoman 34, Cyclops number 4, Dead Boy Detectives number 8, Fantastic Four number 9, Flash number 30. Harley Quinn number 10, He-Man the Masters of the Universe number 16, Inhumans number, sorry, Inhuman number 4, Injustice Gods Among Us year 2 number 10, Justice League Dark 34, Manhattan Projects 23, oh, wait, I, I read that, hold on a second, whoa, hold up, apparently I completely forgot about that, anyways, we have Justice League Dark 34, New 52 Future Zen 17, Original Sin 5.4, Red Lanterns 34, Savage Hulk 3, which I'm super pumped to read, Secret Origins number 5, Silver Surfer number 5, also pumped to read. S- uh, Star Spangled War Stories, GI Zombie number 2, Superman 34, and Thunderbolts 30. Uh, so Manhattan Projects, I really dug this. It was a strong issue. Um, we're really laying the groundwork for something different. Um, we kind of swing the the last, I guess, two issues have really changed the focus, which is interesting because uh, we're less about the, the characters that we're used to seeing and more about these other characters. Um, I really liked seeing, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, jeez, I forget his name already. Um, President, uh, shoot, sorry, hold on one second, I'm just trying to find my issue. I just realized I can't even find my issue. 
was issue 23. I, was, I have all my, uh, I haven't picked it up uh, in print yet, but I have it digitally, which because I'm a, I'm a mental patient, I buy it twice. Oh yes, here's what I liked. Um, I loved everything with uh, Lynn, Lyndon Johnson. I thought he was so badass here with his, his revolver and his cowboy hat. It was just so cool. Um, seeing the infiltration into Cuba was really interesting as well. Um, I can't wait to see what kind of comes out of that. Um, yeah, but we're getting new characters here, new developments. Uh, not a lot about the traditional Manhattan Project characters that we're used to seeing, but I still dug the kind of the world building here, so I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Very strong, very enjoyable. And that is everything from this week, or this past week, I should say. Uh, coming up, or really today, September 3rd, um, some of the highlights that are coming out September the 3rd include the following. If you can, some of them are, I would almost call them lowlights. Uh, we've got uh, a ton of features and one-shots, including Action Comics, Aquaman, uh, basically everything in the DC line except for Batman Eternal, uh, Batwing, uh, Detective Comics, Earth 2, um, you have the hardcover Forever Evil coming out, Grayson has only had, what, one or two issues, and now it has a features and uh, one-shot, um, you have JLA, Earth 2, a new edition of the trade paperback, a new issue of Justice League, which is not part of the features end, because it's, I guess, late shipping, um... And then we have, um, let's see, switching gears for a bit. For Marvel, we have All New Dupe, All New X-Factor, Avengers World 12, Black Widow number 10. You have the March to uh, Axis in Captain America number 24. Uh, for those who like Dark Tower Gunslinger, there's a new omnibus uh, of that run. Uh, you have the Deadpool minibus as well. Uh, you got Hawkeye versus Deadpool number 0. The Infinity Trade paperback, which is hefty. I mean, it's $50 listed. Holy crap. That's a lot. It must be a really big book. I mean, if it's what the hardcover was, it would be a giant softcover. Uh, Original Sin finally wraps up in issue number 8. You have the Oz Omnibus, which is... I'm kind of curious about that, actually. Uh, She-Hulk number 8, which I'm hearing is fantastic. Spider-Man 29.9 number 3. Superior Foes of Spider-Man 15. Uncanny X-Men 25. Uh, which continues the last will and testament of Charles Xavier. And X-Men 19. So that has been our episode. Thank you for joining me for Comic Shenanigans episode 197, uh, the uh, Wednesday, August 27th comic review episode. I've, I have been, I am your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate or review us on iTunes, and subscribe to us on iTunes as well, as well as post on our HT Realms thread. If you want to email to get Kelly to watch Captain America and the Winter Soldier, sorry, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Please email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Drop us a line just to let us know that she should watch this movie. We're only three away. We can make this happen. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to the episode. We'll catch you next time. Not sure what episode 198 is going to be yet. I have an idea uh, that I might do something that was inspired by listener Tom Kerr. Uh, other than that, I think episode 200 is coming out next week. Hopefully that'll be recording on the weekend. Um, It'll probably be a flashback episode, which you would not expect for an anniversary episode, but hopefully I'll have uh, uh, Nathan Strzok and Paul Scores on the back on the show uh, doing kind of a, a longer-form flashback episode. Usually they're just me talking about certain flashbacks, but there's four things in particular that I was like, okay, guys, pick one of these, we'll talk about it. So we should be looking at one of those. So that is something to look forward to next week, probably coming out around the 12th of uh, September, which if it comes out on the 12th of September will be exactly two years and a month since the podcast actually started which is exciting because i completely missed the one year anniversary this year just didn't have an episode coming out on that day or even recording that day and it just kind of got almost forgotten which is sad i was more looking forward to 200 so anyways we'll catch you next time Bye bye